All right. A changed life. Every change in life begins with a different way of thinking. Paul reminds us of that in this keynote verse of Scripture from Philippians, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Today's lesson is called Spring Cleaning for the Brain. Yes, you could probably use it, and I could too. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is pure. Pure. What is the biblical perspective on purity? Usually, in modern English, when we think pure, you probably think pure or dirty. But really, that's not the usage of the word in the New Testament on the primary level. The word pure means uncontaminated, unmixed, free of defilement. In other words, nothing present that doesn't belong. Now, in that sense, secondarily, it means if you spilled your coffee this morning on your white shirt, the reason why I never wear a white shirt on Sunday morning, because I always do that if I do, uh, is uh, there's a dirty spot on there, and what makes it dirty is the fact that it doesn't belong there. It stands out like a sore thumb, right? And every time somebody comes up to you, at least you feel like that's the first thing they notice about you is you spilled coffee on the front of your white shirt, okay? It doesn't belong there. And that's the meaning of the word impure in Scripture. Something is present that doesn't belong. And that something that is present that doesn't belong is getting in the way of all kinds of things in your life. Now, what is it that causes impurity among believers? Well, let me go to a problem that is so pervasive in America today. And let me tell you, as a person who travels in other countries, that it's only in America. Okay, This is not something to be proud of, but this only exists in America. But it's such a pervasive problem that we've actually developed a television program around it. That's how you can tell, right? Hoarding. Okay. Okay. And by the way, if you're an American, I feel like I'm about as good on this as anybody can be because I have this thing where if I don't use something for six months, I discard it or give it away. Everything. I came to that realization when one time in my 30s, I was cleaning my garage. And when I was cleaning my garage... I was organizing my bungee cords, okay, got to have some of those, and I took down this one bungee cord, and it had a hook on one end, and the hook was broken off the other end. Now, why did I save that bungee cord? But I remember thinking for a minute, well, maybe I could tie two ones that each had a hook missing together, or maybe I could, and I was thinking, and all of a sudden I went like, that is really sick. <laughs> Get rid of it. And then I, as I was throwing it in the garbage, I said, you know what? From now on, if there's anything that I haven't used in the last six months, I will immediately, as soon as I become aware of it, either find somebody to give it to, or if I can't find somebody to give it to, even if I think it's worth something, I will get rid of it. 
Why? Because it's getting in my way. It's taking up space. And the space and the freedom that comes from space is way more valuable than maybe later saving a few dollars on not having to buy another bungee cord. Have any rooms in your house that look like that? That's hoarding. Okay, Just in case you needed a picture of it. Now, I'm not going to talk about that today. So why did I bring it up? Because we do the same thing with our thinking. Are you a mental hoarder? That is, you hold on to thoughts that maybe you thought once served you well or you felt was important, but they no longer have a place in your new life. That kind of thinking doesn't fit with where you are today, with what God is doing in your life today. There are things we leave behind, not because they're bad, because they don't fit in our lives anymore. And that all starts with your thinking. For instance, um, I'm trying to downsize right now. Okay, And I did a big downsize, and it was like overwhelming. And I got to do another big downsize before I leave in April. And in downsizing, <laughs> I have to think about things that fit. And and something that I have immediately eliminated from my life is, guess what I don't need in Mexico? Went through my closet. Stocking cap, gloves, heavy winter coats, yeah, all, all kinds of stuff like that, right? Don't need them anymore, right? Now, it might be good if I can find somebody to store one from me if I kept a winter coat here for when I come back and visit, if I would be forced to come back and visit during the wintertime. Okay. But the thing is that they have no place, so it would be so foolish for me to pack those up and try to find a place for them in Mexico just in case someday I might need them. Right? They don't fit with my life anymore. There are thoughts that are that way. Thoughts that may have served you well at one uh, stage of your life, but that kind of thinking really isn't all that helpful now. And yet, how much time or mental space do you allow for those thoughts? Purity, as the word is used in the Bible, always means removing unnecessary clutter from your life. Things that don't fit. By the way, that doesn't mean you don't need to go around telling other people they need to get rid of it. Okay? Because it may be perfectly appropriate for their life, their calling, their place. But you've become convinced it no longer fits in your life. When you do, it's amazing the freedom that comes. When you let go of thinking that no longer fits in your new life in Christ. It actually maximizes your potential as a believer. In fact, the Bible actually has a lot to say about this, about setting aside thoughts that don't fit with your new life in Christ and then watching how God will use the freedom that comes from that to get things done. I mean, how often have you heard this said? 
I was thinking this week as I was thinking about this topic of at least three believers who have been in our church for a very long time who said at one point or another, I remember, I could almost quote it right back, I can't wait till I'm retired because then I'm going to volunteer for that. Then I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to help with that. Then I'm going to... And of those people that I'm thinking of right now, how many of them are doing any of those things, do you think? The answer would be zero. Okay? (laughs) Because they're continuing to carry burdens and ideas and thoughts and ways of doing life that fit with their previous life. They're not fitting very well with their retirement life. I mean... Even when I tell people that when I get to Mexico, they'll say like, well, what are you going to do about this? And what are you going to do about... I get asked at least 20 times all week long. Well, where are you going to stay? Well, what are you going to drive? Well, how are you going to get around? And the answer is, and when you tell them, I'm not going to have a car, okay? And I'm going to have a very limited, tiny living space because I'm not going to be there hardly at all. I just need a place to sleep at night and a place to take a shower. That's all I need. And guess what? I think God will supply it when I get there. And when I say that, I see people get really nervous in their eyes. I'm not taking them with me, but they're terrified at the idea. (laughs) Okay? But for me, that's just eliminating stuff that doesn't fit with what I know God is calling me to do. He's not calling you to do that. So don't get nervous. Okay? So you don't have to get rid of those things. You can keep a car. I mean, believe me, I work at at Fairhaven, you know, so there it's like that's one of the most terrifying moments for men, right? When they finally, somebody takes their keys away from them, okay? They've tried a couple of times to get me involved in that process. I've gone, not going there, not doing that. Sorry, I'll pray for you. (laughs) Because that feels like you're losing all of your freedom and mobility. But, you know, where I'm going, by the way, there's, you know, there's a bus stops at every corner, Two blocks is the furthest you have to walk to take a bus. And it's really nice to walk places when it's sunny every day and 90. Okay, I just want to tell you that, all right? So when you picture me, don't picture me like, oh, how's he getting around? How's he doing his stuff? And picture me enjoying 90 degrees and sunny, okay? So, removing clutter from your mental life will maximize your potential. Potential to do what? First of all, potential to be intimately connected to God. If you want a deeper, closer, more intimate relationship with God, there's a very good chance that you may need to eliminate some things from your regular, everyday thinking that get between you and God. Remember this, um, one of the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. (laughs) See God. We're talking about something that in other contexts, the Bible says, nobody's ever seen God. (laughs) Here it says, Jesus says, you're going to see God if you would just eliminate the stuff in your life that doesn't fit. He wants to fill that empty spot in your life. Not ideas. So ask yourself today the question, are you as close to God as you would like to be? We're not talking about, are you as active in church as you would like to be? We're not talking about, are you as religious as you'd like to be? We're talking about your personal, spiritual 
relationship with God? Is it as close as you would like it to be? Only you can answer. If not, ask yourself the next scary question. What gets in the way of that happening? I wonder. How often have you heard people say, for instance, you know, one of the problems with America today is people don't read enough. If we would just take time to read. Well, why don't we read more? Well, because there's always something on TV, right? And most of us, unless you have ADD like me, you can't read and watch TV at the same time. Okay? you got to pick a lane and drive in it, right? And if you can't miss the next episode of fill in the blank, I don't know, whatever it is, then you're not going to take time to read. You're going to watch until your eyes fall closed and then you're going to go to sleep for the night and you wake up in the morning and go, i got to read more again. Now, I'm not saying you got to read more. I'm saying I hear you say that oftentimes. <laughs> okay? And I'm saying if you've got to do something that you don't have room for right now, you may have to eliminate some things to make room. To make space. Purity also maximizes your potential to be fully prepared for heaven. Did you know that? What is it that's one of the common things we say? I have this picture that I sometimes show at memorial services I do that has a hearse at the cemetery pulling up with a U-Haul truck behind it. Your U-Haul trailer. you know, Because you'll never see that, right? And it's underneath the caption is, You can't take it with you. Did you realize that there are some thoughts, ideas, emotions, feelings, activities that probably will not have a place in heaven? I'm not saying what those are. I'm saying, don't you agree there will be some things that you do here that might not exist in heaven? I mean, one of the first questions that people ask me, like I would know the answer, I haven't been there, okay, is like, will there be golf in heaven? Will there be football in heaven? Will there be, well, I really, it's an interesting topic to toss around, I guess, but I don't have a clue. But the thing is, what if there's not? Can you leave it behind for something better? John writes in 1 John 3, Dear friends, now we are the children of God. That's right now, here on earth, right where we're at. But what we will be, where we're headed, has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, now that's a way in the New Testament referring to either one of two things. Christ returns or you die. (laughs) <laughs> That's when Christ appears. He, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Jesus' life was marked by purity, and yet... He really irritated some pretty religious people. Oftentimes because he refused to burden his 
thinking or his spiritual life with things that didn't fit in his relationship with God. He was, in one sense of the word, away from his heavenly father while he was on earth. And yet he didn't think about it that way. And he didn't look at it that way. (laughs) He would say to Philip in the upper room, right? Have I been with you so long that you have not known that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? In another occasion, he would say, I and the Father are one. He didn't say, I and the Father used to be one, and I can't wait till we're back together again. Why was that? He was in a physical body, living a a physical, tangible life like you and me. Well, the difference was, his life wasn't cluttered by stuff that keeps getting in the way of our relationship with God. Ask yourself, are you clinging to anything that belongs to this earth? Things that you can't take with you to heaven. Now, I'm not talking about, are you enjoying things? Are you experiencing things? Are you occasionally using things that are going? Because all of us are. You can't live on earth without doing that. I'm saying, are you clinging to them? Are you acting like you can't live without them? Then how are you going to live without them in heaven? I, I don't know. I'm just asking. How's that going to work, I wonder. I always love, like, people think they're going to take their favorite songs with them. Since I work at a retirement home, I want you to know that the favorite songs of Christians at Fairhaven are not the favorite songs of Christians at Calvary. Okay? They like old songs. They like hymns. And they like songs that refer to those hymns, like, I can't wait till we get to glory and stand before the heavenly throne, and there we'll sing Amazing Grace. Well, I don't think so, because that's a very old song. And the first thing God says from the throne to John in Revelation 21 is, Behold, I'm going to make all things new. Okay? Oh, that means, by the way, your songs won't be there either. Your way of doing church won't be there either. It's all going to be new. It's all going to be restored. So if you hold on to little ways of doing things, ways of thinking, <laughs> that don't fit with your life to come in heaven, might be time to loosen your grip on them here. Third, purity maximizes your potential To be effectively engaged in ministry. How often have you said, Boy, I'd love to do that for God. If only I had more time, more money, more talent, more help, right? And then after a minute of thinking about it, you go right back to saying, Yeah, but I don't. So, if only, if only, if only. There may be things that God wants you to do for Him and in the name of His Son here on earth that you're not doing because your life, your brain is too full, right? You got too many things to deal with. I mean, there's some lonely person who could probably use a phone call of encouragement this week. 
But if you use up all your time arguing with your now adult children about some little issue, okay, all your time on the phone is going to be used up. You still only get 24 hours a day. Okay? And you got to pick and choose where you're going to use it. How you're going to be engaged. James says in James 1.27, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Well, do those two things go together? Taking care of needy people and being polluted by the world? Well, let me tell you about how the world thinks. And you know it. And we've all got caught in, up in it. The world thinks this way. It's all about me. Do I like it? How does it make me feel? How does that fit into my uh, plans for the day? That's how we, that's the world's way of thinking. And as long as you're thinking that way, you can care about hurting people. You're not going to get involved in helping hurting people because that is very time, money, energy, talent intensive. It's going to drain you. And you won't have an ounce to give if you're giving it all to taking care of you. Are there things you'd like to do for God? Ways you'd like to serve Him here on earth? But you don't have the time, the money, or the energy. We've all been there. I've been there. But do you have the courage to ask the next question? Where am I wasting time? Where am I wasting money? Where am I wasting my energy on things that aren't part of God's plan for my life. Fourth, purity maximizes my potential to be critically focused on relationship building. Relationships are built one at a time and require a great deal of focus. It's awesome to have this goal to be an open, relational person who welcomes people into their lives. But the truth is, you can really only work seriously on one relationship at a time. And of course, for that to happen, then you have to have a hierarchy of relationship, starting with the relationships that you believe in God's plan for your life are the most important, down to those that are the least significant. There has to be a focus. Now, uh, you may think he's talking about something different, but I want you to know that um, I think when the author of Hebrews says this about marriage in Hebrews 13, he's talking about marriage as a primary focused relationship. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. He's not talking about don't be sexually illicit, I think. He's saying when you're focused on building a relationship with someone, be totally focused on that person, their needs, their feelings, their interests. Why don't we? 
Because we've got other people and other stuff and other situations that are draining us of our focus. There's nothing more important, by the way, than when you're having a conversation with someone that you think is important in your life, that they have your complete, undivided attention. Okay, That's purity. When I'm in Mexico, I do a lot of walking. And I'm, when you walk, you go down to the tourist section and walk because it's along the ocean with the mountains on the other side. And you're walking along this beautiful place with jungle all around and tropical birds singing. And the, Mount, the uh, Sierra Madres mountains on your left and on your right, the ocean and all of this, and you're walking along. And then I'll, I'll, I'll pass coming the other direction. Couples from America, from Canada, okay, And they're in the most glorious setting you could possibly imagine to really spend some time just focusing on each other. They're young, they want, they're in love, and they're walking down the sidewalk, and what are they doing? (laughs) I'm serious, haven't you seen that, Logan? Every one of them, they're just like, and you're going like, they're like right next to the most important person in their life. Who are they texting? Who are they communicating at? What are they looking at on the internet that's so important? Now, you can say, yeah, because most of us are older, so we're going, yeah, what's wrong with the younger generation? We do the same thing. Anytime you allow yourself to be distracted and not give your total focus to the relationship you're in, then you're doing that same thing. Now, now the problem is, of course, is what is draining your focus? Are they unnecessary things? Is your mind full of things that you like can't turn off work? Well, then you've got work out of focus if you can't turn off work. Because I can guarantee you that if like your marriage fell apart, then you wouldn't be able to focus on your work when you got back to work. All you'd be able to think about was your marriage or your kids or whatever. If you don't give yourself to that focused situation in that very moment. I'll never forget watching late at night. I was up studying or something, and I had the TV on just to have some background noise. And, I'm wa- and the BBC is on the uh, television, and Malcolm Muggeridge is, uh, uh, just to show you how old I am, he's interviewing Mother Teresa at, at her place of ministry. And they're sitting uh, on rocks right at the entrance to her place of ministry. And he's trying to talk to her while this flow of lepers and other very needy people are coming in. And it's just this constant flow of people. Finally, he stops the interview and says, Mother Teresa, do you have any idea how, how many people you help every day? And she said, we do. You do. How do you know? We count them. How do you count them? We count them like this. One, 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 one. Mr. Muggeridge, you can only minister to one person at a time. And you, you can only deal with one child at a time. One person you're committed to at a time. One fellow worker at a time. One fellow church member at a time. And if you find yourself every time you're trying to do that, 
having your mind drug away to other things and places, well then, you got too much stuff going on in your mind. Time to do some spring cleaning in your brain. The most important things in your life are those you spend the most time, money, and energy on. What are those in your life? Finally, purity of mind and heart maximizes your potential to be clear-minded in decision-making. Are you a procrastinator, can't pull the trigger on important decisions, or maybe you just can't focus well enough to put together the information you need to make an intelligent decision. Making decisions well is one of the most critical elements of a successful human life. And it doesn't happen if you've got 5,000 things going on in your head. Focus on the thing to make a decision about. In James 3.17, James says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. It's not cluttered by a bunch of stuff that doesn't fit, that doesn't apply, that is irrelevant. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Wisdom from heaven is pure, is pure. On on Wednesday, we did a little thinking back to when I first came to Calvary, because there's something I did, and I came with a vision for a people group in our world that I felt was important to reach. When we've been successful, we stayed focused on that. When we wavered, we did other things because we went like, wow, we could really use people like that, and maybe we should put some time, energy, and money into this. But the truth is that those were the times that we wandered from our whole point for existing. Are there hard decisions before you that you can't seem to make? Once you do choose, do you find yourself procrastinating? Well, that's oftentimes because you're bringing to bear a lot of ideas and thoughts and feelings from the past and successes and failures in the past that really have nothing to do with this situation that you're facing right now. The impurity of your mind is making it impossible to decide. Purity of thought will help you say, here are the pros, here are the cons. Here are the presiding principles that apply to this situation in my life, and here's how they apply. Chances are the decisions aren't really all that difficult. It's just that they're difficult if you're not going to first stop and declutter your mind. So, it's time to take inventory. And stores do this all the time, right? And when they take inventory, it's because they find out, well, for one thing, a bunch of stuff got stolen. They don't know what happened to it or lost or somebody took home. But it also means 
They may have lost sight of what's selling and what's not selling, what's important and what's not important, what deserves space on the shelf and what doesn't deserve space on the shelf. I want to suggest to you that in light of Paul's words, whatever is pure, think about these things, that you would do well to take mental inventory this week. What are the things I spend time thinking about? Oh, by the way, uh, you ever like get to bedtime and you can't turn your mind off? Okay. I can't tell you about a more fruitless activity than that. <laughs> because it's like, what are you going to do about it while you're laying there in bed? Nothing. So it does absolutely no good to think about something you're not going to act on. Okay. You would do better to prepare yourself for taking intelligent action tomorrow by sleeping Tonight, now I know there are other physiological problems that contribute to that and emotional and psychological and all of that. But by and large, it's just some mind decluttering would be important. Here's your homework. Where and in what do you invest the most of your resources? Where do you spend your money? That's always an interesting thing when you go to like a detailed budget and, and start looking at, wow, I spend that much money on that? <laughs> uh, that much time on that? Look at your calendar. Where do you spend the most time? What does this say about your value system? A lot of times people will say that one thing is important, and yet they spend all their money, time, and energy on something else. How does this make you feel? Take inventory of your life. Are there unnecessary possessions and responsibilities that are robbing you? Because that's exactly what they'll do. And what unnecessary weight could you begin to eliminate from your life this week? A closing word from the author of Hebrews says this, Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's saying, since we have this tremendous list of great people who did great things for God as examples before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Well, who's our example in this? It's not the pastor. I struggle with this just like you do. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Think he had a lot on his mind? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He took the next event in his life and accepted it for what it was, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Next week, lovely thoughts. Do you have lovely thoughts? See, you probably have a problem with the word. But if you think about it for a moment, it has the word love in it. Okay? Lovely is just the adverb form in Old English of love. So it means... Thoughts <laughs> that build relationships. Thoughts 
that build bridges between people groups. Thoughts that put other people's interests and feelings first. Thoughts that show high value for other human beings. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reminder. Time to do some spring cleaning. (laughs) Certainly our minds are full of thoughts, ideas, Troubles, problems, issues that really play no role in our life for you. Help us to be faithful and to call upon your Holy Spirit for help as this week we take inventory of our thought life. In Jesus' name, amen.